make it through a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your defeated neophyte, Frank. <laughs> Today we're going to be taking a look at Degrassi, The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 13, Bark at the Moon. Um, quick content warning for this one. Unfortunately, we are back in the saddle for teacher-student relationships. So we are going to be talking about power dynamics and things relating to that. Also, while it's not a guarantee, we may be talking about abortion briefly within the context of Manny and Craig's relationship. Um, and also, we are going to be talking a whole lot about men being terrible. So, it's gonna be a fun one, everybody. But luckily, we are not alone in this endeavor, unless, Frank, you have something else you'd like to add. Uh, mental illness, because Craig has a scene in this, and given the last episode, we're probably gonna be mentioning. Yeah, that might be worth, yeah, we probably will as well. Um, to help us through this, luckily we are not alone. We have our pal Demi here. Hey, Demi. Yay, hi. So, Hello. it's, I'm very glad you're here. Like, I have so many complaints about this episode, and also the relief of knowing that you are here to, like, provide some much-needed perspective and fresh air, quite frankly. I'm laughing to myself already. I'm just ready to, like, point out all the little small fun things because otherwise it's going to be a drag. Plus, I just made a meal and I had a glass of wine and then a gin and tonic while I was eating. So I'm in a good mood. Let's do it. That sounds fabulous. Um, so before we get into figuring out A-plot, uh, well, let's introduce our A-plot and our B-plot if you would like to, Demi. Uh, okay, so I think that we've kind of come to a unanimous um, consensus that they're kind of it's hard to tell which one's the A and the B because it's like which one's more important slash which one disgusts us more. But I think technically the A plot is the Manny one in which she is it though? Yeah. In which she let's see, Manny is approached by Spinner, who she's been seeing, um, hanging out with on a like exclusive basis, and he wants to be in a relationship with her and call her his girlfriend. And she's like, uh, 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 in every way possible. Um, and she's also checking out Chester and her and, um, Marco plan a dance and there's a whole thing. She's making some decisions. And the B plot is that Paige cannot let this whole Matt Oleander thing go. Really, really wants to bone her teacher. So she keeps chasing them. Gross. Yeah, so um, to figure out if we're going to do the A-plot or B-plot, quite frankly, because both of them discuss us, we decided that we were going to do an old coin toss to figure out which one we were going to do. So, Frank. Hey, Siri, flip a coin for me. It's tails what? this time. Uh, we should have to go to tails. Okay. Um, I thought I knew everything Siri could do. Manny, Manny, <laughs> Manny and Spinner are heads. Uh, Paige and who gives a fuck is tails. Hey, Siri, flip a coin for me. It's Tails. The uh, fuck? B-plot! Okay. This is part I of the... I guess we just found out that Donnie does not want to do the B-plot. <laughs> Man, I never want to do this shit. I hate this. This is, like, the, my least favorite part of team media is fucking, like, th this, this, this bullshit. The teacher-student uh, thing? I really hate it. I... I know that sounds really That's hypocritical because I'm playing a game where you can play a professor and date students. You can choose not to and there's other weird bullshit, but like you can do it too. But like in in this, I feel like like the way that this plot handles it is like what truly makes me uncomfortable about the whole entire thing. 
it like really hits all of like the the things that particularly squick me out about this this type of trope like <laughs> I've never heard that word before Oh, it's like <laughs> I know exactly what it means. Right? It's like it's like an old fanfic term that just like sometimes it just really fits what you're trying to say. Yeah, it sounds quick. It sounds like it sounds like what it means. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like it's this plot is very hard for me because it is one, it's a trope that I notoriously do not like. But two, it's it's a really weird thing for me to process within the context of Paige in the sense of like I buy that she has a crush on a teacher I really do like look like that's a normal thing for your students to go through like I had teacher crushes I'm sure other people have had teachers crushes like that's a very normal human thing to have when you are a teenager but watching her pursue in this way especially when you have somebody who is an abuse survivor doing this, just feels so fucking misguided. Mm-hmm. But I guess let's just jump in. Like she's a valid pursuant and she's not. Like She just yeah. said it, no matter what she says. It's like, she's supposed to dead it. There's no, she doesn't have any weight in the situation or she's not supposed to. That's not how they treat it on the show. Exactly. Exactly. It's so fucking bizarre because it feels like there have been times where this show has tried to point out power imbalances or dynamics that are not fair and things like that. And yet with this, for whatever reason, their fucking blinders were on and they were just like like it 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 the way that this plot functions, I don't understand what they're trying to get out of it. You know what I mean? Like, watching it, I'm like, what What do you actually want me to take away from this? Because a lot of the time, the moral, whether I agree with the moral or not, is pretty easy to pull from a Degrassi episode. Like, it's meant to be, because that's just how this show functions. And this is one of the few that the way that they portray, like, Paige's endeavor makes it sound like this is, like, love fighting against all odds, as opposed to what it is. Yeah, you make a good point. I don't know what they're expecting me to get out of it, actually, unless they really do want us to think that it's, like, star-crossed lovers or whatever, which is just weird. You're not actually sending that message to kids, are you? That's weird. Mm. Right. And there's not enough... Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But my last thought is there's not enough foreshadowing in it to even be like, oh, this is, like, trying to show me how this goes awry. Anyway. Let's let's get to it. So so this one opens up with Marco and Paige. I'm going to call this kind of the start point. During the A plot, Marco and Paige are called to the office. Um, they are then at the office, and Marco is freaking out in typical Marco fashion because he's worried that he is going to get yelled at um, because he is a anxious Catholic boy, and I understand. <laughs> um, he's like, I don't even know what I did, but I'm fucked. Um, and then uh, Manny walks out, like, walks into the the area, Paige basically swaps her to go to the meeting, which is fucking hysterical. I don't know what the hell, like, she was expecting to get out of that one. Um, and then she then takes that as an opportunity to noom toward Oleander, who is displaying stuff in the hallway. Um, and even this is so fucking weird. Because it's just, like, 
she's picking up the plot where she tried to sneak into the bar. And she's, like, referring to it as a faux pas and things like that. And trying to be like, oh, I'm sorry that I was a bit of a dingle back there. But, like, and then the the part, now that could have been just it, right? Like, that even could have been the end scene of the, of the B plot originally. Where, and then Orleander would, in theory, say, hey, that was shitheaded. Don't fucking do it again. You could have, like... Any reasonable adult would be like, hey, you could have gotten into some serious trouble. Instead, he fucking goes, oh, you had a really good fake ID. (laughs) What? What the fuck? So. They don't look inconspicuous at all. They're really bad. They're really bad at that. Yeah. (laughs) They totally look like they're having... A clandestine conversation. (laughs) Right. What are you doing? Right. Like, it's so... Because, like, with Paige... Like, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to really think about how this plot could have been done. And I feel like the, the thing about this whole entire premise is, like, there's also this aspect of it where Paige is so bold. And Paige, in general, is a bold character. But, like, I feel like a character being bold toward peers is not the same as a character being bold toward somebody who is in a position of power. And, like, this just feels so, like, they're trying to make... It just... I'm trying to wrap my head around it, and I apologize. It's not making for good podcasting, I'm sure. But they make her come off, like, I guess like a harlot. I don't know how else to put it. Well, it's just, like... You know, there. I don't know where I obviously I don't know where this plot line goes, but like it better end with this like idiot being expelled after it goes farther than this. But it's just like by not by him not treating her, which as she is, which is a child, mm-hmm. like it makes the whole thing so much grosser. Well, also, it's like, what what are we supposed to read Paige? Like, wh- how are we supposed to read Paige during this? Because the way that she's acting, though there are glance, like, gleams of, of her as, as the character that we know, what are we ultimately supposed to, like, pull away from her behavior during this? The, the, the thing is, her behavior is... This, this is pretty much classic Paige. Think back to seasons one and two, where she was openly kissing Jimmy. I mean, yes, but once again, there's a difference between Jimmy. Jimmy is a peer. Yeah, but what I'm saying, like, what I'm saying is, like, we know this. She doesn't see a difference. Yeah, yeah. she doesn't see a difference. And maybe it is, like, then she, uh, the comparisons with Dylan and, uh, I'm so stressed about this. Like, I'm just, like, thinking in my brain, just, like, my brain just collided within itself. I was just, like, thinking about, like, fucking, I love the show Archer, and even, like, Archer's a giant pervert and, like, a drunk, and even he's just, like, not, like, a 14-year-old girl hits, or, like, 15, 16-year-old girl hits, and he's like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, like, this is wrong on so many levels. I'm just, like, th- even this guy, like... Matt Leander is less than that, and Sterling Archer's an asshole. Right, it's like, just like it's hard because it's like because well, Matt Oleander is trash. He is yeah. trash. That's true, but like, 
there's also the, it's this weird thing because I don't want to say I also feel like the way that I'm talking about this is suggesting that like Paige deserves whatever attention she is getting and things like that and I do not want to make it sound like that I am curious like what the writers want you as a viewer to pull from her character but also he his his behavior is entirely inexcusable and like as somebody who works with kids, this just stresses me out. The, the 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 whole thing reads to the whole thing reads to me of the like kind of classic idea in literature and movies and TV show and media and whatnot of just like oh well I'm just a poor like man and this like this girl's coming at me and I can't resist her charms. Like, whatever shall I do? It's like the people who read Lolita but didn't understand it at all or, like, the (laughs) themes it was going for and are just like, well, Humber Humber, like, what was he supposed to do? And it was just like, Humber Humber was a monster. Like, all these, like, all the, like, it's like this constant thing of just, like, the, the media does not expect more to these men than just be like, well, I'm being hit on, I'm going to reciprocate because that's what I do. When it's just like, no, that's not what you do in this case. In this case, you establish boundaries and you cut that shit off immediately. Well, I think you're also posing a very interesting point of perspective, right? Like, in the way that this plot is functioning, in many ways it seems like this is the struggle struggle of Oleander, which, in Degrassi, as a storytelling narrative, makes no fucking sense. The kid usually gets the storyline, unless it is, you know, one of your pre-established alum characters that are adults. So, like, unless you're Snake, Joey, Spike, uh, Caitlin, you're not going to get... I know. I know, a cursed name. No, I I understand. We've talked about this. You know me and Caitlin do not get along, but... Caitlyn is, is an adult that can be granted a plot. Oleander has just strolled in. He has not earned, he does not have the, the any any reason to have to be the focus, and yet the struggle seems to be more on him and less about Paige. Paige is just pursuing, 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 pursuing. She ultimately doesn't really have any conflict in this episode other than whatever Oleander is kind of spitting back at her. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, what I'm trying to say is there's no real conflict for Oleander. Like, right. if there what like, the, the the conflict that there should be is him saying, like, Paige, this is not a good idea. Right. But, like, he is, like, I constantly, I read Oleander as somebody who's just like, well, I'm just gonna roll with this and see what happens. Exactly. Like, I'm, I can't be, I'm not to blame, she's the aggressor. I'm just going about my business. Like, he's an asshole. Like, and he's an asshole dude. Like, uh. and the, the, and what I'm, what I was getting at before was like, this is the story that keeps happening. Exactly. Like, in media, and a lot of times, in like, I, I, in the, in the actual real world of just like, well, this girl was coming on to me. Like, what was I supposed to do? And it's just like, well, easily. You don't do anything. Yeah, right? Like, you do nothing. <laughs> Another thing that he does, which is also highly inappropriate, is, you know, she talks, mentions his girlfriend, and he's just like, oh, well, we broke up. But not because of the two of us. 
And it's like, what, dude? Are you kidding me? It says, not because of us. Not that there isn't us, which you are smart enough to have caught before you said it. I think he knew what he was doing there, and I think he did it deliberately. Oh, I think so, too. I, I think 100%. Matt, Matt Oleander is a predator. He is! <laughs> he is. I think, I, I. so in one, I don't know if it ended up being in the final thing, like the form that I send out to guests, but... Um, I was like writing down all of the summaries for every episode and I'm pretty sure that I did not refer to him by name and I just called him a predator for like a whole entire thing. <laughs> so like every episode, every, every episode you signed up for, it was just pages at page, like, you know, page and the predator, like things like that. And it was just like, I just got this, like I said, this stuff really bugs me and it also gets stretched out so long throughout the season. <laughs> that's the way to handle this kind of storyline as a viewer anyone who has to interact with the show like you you know what it is you know what it is i know what it is and if i may segue just a little bit because i know sure. frank really hates the storyline on pretty little liars but the writers clearly hated it they clearly hated the whole like ezra the teacher i don't remember his last name being with uh aria the character um and they make it all the way to the fucking end but the writers clearly like once he once it was established that he uh clearly preyed on her like at first it was supposed to be incidental they met in a bar he didn't know her age they had already hooked up by the time he was her teacher and all this other stuff and then it it is revealed that he knows the whole time who she is and what her age is um and they get over that and they like end up together but there's so many gems and easter eggs along the way in which the writers are clearly like this is gross he's terrible and self-centered and maybe an narcissist and like it only prevails because of the network and i think that the viewers who get it and the writers who get it are just like commiserating and then the rest of the story is fine i just really want frank to give pretty little liars another chance it was a great show <laughs> that storyline sucked i own the box up <laughs> oh i was like what one not i i still need to sit down and finish it but like i'm i just need to finish tail end of five six and seven but like i was like one day this is gonna get taken off of netflix or something i need to make sure i have it so i bought the box of myself huge fan of troy and belisario but also i saw the show differently after listening to this podcast called bros who watch pll2 and at first i was like i don't want to listen to two cis men talk about this show that is clearly about women like <laughs> clearly mm-hmm. and people who prey on them but they're actually like unproblematic and really cool and whatever and they they're really like into they create shows and books and things so they understand like a lot of the things that go on behind the scenes of this and how to structure a show with this kind of suspense and stuff like that and they really break it down and it's really great um and it made me love the show a lot more where was i going with this i don't know but after listening to that podcast in full and watching the entirety of the show i was like damn this show is good fuck that whole teacher fucking storyline and also fuck the fact that both black lesbians on that show die oh fuck that (laughs) fuck that (laughs) jesus it's ridiculous like how could like how do you not notice that you did that twice yeah like that's that's what i'm throwing being thrown by is like you did it Two times. Like, like one time, it's like, mm, okay, you know, that's not great. And then, like, twice. What the fuck? Both of them. One. One's a villain, and the other one never gets justice. She's like the, um, what's that character on Stranger Things? Barbara? Yeah. Barbara? Is it Barbara? 
Yes, Barbara. She's like the Barbara. Nobody ever knows really what happens to her. And we're just like, okay, but we care about the white girl who died. <laughs> like, oh what? Oh, my God. What? Oh, God, now I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, that did suck. That sucks so hard. Oof. Does anyone care about Maya St. Germain? Anyway. We're ri- I love how much back we're... Show. Show. Right. But, like... But, um... So, so back to this. Paige is, like, talking about the age difference thing. And her big rationale, her big thesis statement about why she and Oleander can definitely date is because Marco and Dylan have a sim- have the same age gap. Which, by the way, would not happen because student teaching is typically reserved toward the end of your college career. Yeah. So, you, so Oleander is probably, I would say, around 22. Um, Dylan is in his first year of college 19 so he's about 19 like yeah it may sound like you know kind of whatever to to people who don't work with youth but like there's a there's still like years on him it's not it's it's a false equivalency and also marco and dylan's relationship started when they were both students exactly in high school yeah like anyway um, though I do do enjoy the Simpson line, Paige oh, yeah. isn't quite the same about you talking to Hazel, so. Right, like he's just like, please get the fuck inside, please. Um, and then the next scene we have is at the yoga class, it's Marco and Paige stretching, um, and Marco is like, hey, like, Oleander's a teacher, what the fuck, I'm worried about you. Um, and Paige takes the whole view of how she can't turn off how she feels, which is like, also feels very odd to me because for 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 up to to this point I was kind of on the train of oh she has a crush she wants to pursue this crush that's not wholly appropriate but okay I understand maybe where the story is going but like now it's taking this 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 different level which the this aspect of it which is more of a romantic kind of love kind of feeling, less of a crush, more of like, love, I'm in love with you. And now she's actively pursuing him and trying to figure out where he's at and things like that gives it gives her a more obsessive quality, which puts this once again in a real occupying a really fucking weird space. Because it's like it's just like it's it's opening up a can of worms and I don't even think they're aware they're opening it up. It kind of feels like. It's so weird because she was like, I thought you would know how this goes. What did she say? I wrote this down. She said, You of all people should would understand or should understand, I may have meant to write to Marco. And I'm like, because he's gay? Right. Like, like this is not the same thing. <laughs> Marco's a good boy who would n- not pursue a teacher. Well that's the thing. It's just like yeah, it kind of felt like it was that undercurrent of like you understand forbidden love. It's like Oh? <laughs> the only reason my love is forbidden is because you like straight assholes. Right, like that's the only fucking reason. Like, I don't know what the fuck is happening here. It's it's just th- at this point she really wants a friend to back her up. Which is like she's making this piss poor decision. She's young, but she wants a friend who's going to back her up in her piss poor decisions, which I'm sure I also did at mm-hmm. that age where she's like, Yeah, I know I shouldn't drink this ninety nine bananas to the face, but like I want you to back me up on this. I want I want you to back me up. And, like, we already know that Hazel's not backing her up. True. And she's like, Marco, just, like, put the blinders on. Give me some support here because I'm going to pursue it anyway. And I need you here for the fallout, basically. You do. 
you do pose a really good point there because Hazel is already established absolutely fucking not. And, <laughs> and, and then at that point, you do, like, with Paige, it's kind of interesting because after that point, like, who else is she going to talk to but Marco? Because at first I was like, why the fuck are you talking to Marco about this? Marco is such, like, a goody two-shoes. Like, he would just be like, why are you doing this? Which is his response. But once you figure out that Hazel is no longer on board and she's not going to talk to, like, like, you know, Jimmy is hospitalized. Spinner and her are, like, you know, not together and have no friendship anymore. Terry is gone. Ashley and her, no. Um, Ellie, <laughs> like, Ellie and her are antagonizing each other. Um, ultimately, she has nobody else to turn to but Marco. And it's such, like, a weird thing to kind of think about. And I feel like this speaks to a lot of how the uh, plots kind of work out in this later part of it. Because it's way more like these girls are in conflict with each other. As opposed to the earlier seasons where the girls kind of had, were the ones that did have a camaraderie with each other. Um, and could elevate each other at a moment's notice if necessary. Is it just me, or does, like... Every girl in this episode wear pink. Yeah. Well, they have to wear a lot of pink and red because of the whole dance thing later, which no one ever said anything, but they were all wearing red. So I'm guessing it was mandated at some point that this is a red-themed party. Was that, like, what they meant by and the maybe pink. theme? Like, is that what they meant by the Cupid theme? I guess. Like, when I think... Yeah, like, maybe, did... like, there's no other way to symbolize Cupid but red and pink? Yeah. Right? Like, okay. Sure. Yes. Okay. So Paige has no allies on the hill of I want to date a teacher that she chooses to die on, but also, <laughs> um, Mr. Oleander, who I'm just gonna call Creep. Um, Creep is not teaching, uh, yoga anymore. Now it's Miss Kwan. <laughs> Yeah, the ashwagandha class which is not what it's called but I didn't hear what she was saying that's probably really problematic that I just did that it's, uh, it's some type of really specific yoga that she made a point to say um, she just says namaste yogis and yoginis oh that's <laughs> no well also what? but then <laughs> but, but um, Paige says like this is this is Mr. Oleander's ah uh, uh, something Ashta- class ashtanga Sure. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what that means. I'm, ju- I'm just reading from the transcript. Let me look Let's it look it up. Okay. Let's look it up. Gosh. I, pull- you know, I pulled it up earlier and I forgot to keep the tab up. Nah, it's all good. Oh, um, Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga, Savman Yoga, created by K. Patabi Joyce during the 20th century. Okay. Often promoted. What did you just say? Did I just have a stroke? I don't know what you just said. Okay, Ashtanga Yinvasa Yoga as a style of yoga as exercise created by K. Patabi Joyce during the 20th century, often promoted as a modern-day form of classical Indian yoga. The style is hot and energetic, synchronizing breath with movements. Uh, the individual poses a silence of length by flowing movements, vinyasas. So, and my apologies um, to anybody who knows how those words are correctly pronounced. I'm sure I did a terrible job. Please send the correct uh, pronunciations to ihopepod at gmail.com. Or if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Yeah, thank including you. Including yelling at me for yeah. not knowing a goddamn thing. You know I'm what? okay with that entirely, 100%.
you know what, folks? Why don't we just call here? Uh, <laughs> right? We're just like, okay, we're done. Let's just like shoot the shit for like, let's just shoot the shit for like an hour and a half and, and, and just call it an no, episode. No, because you did I've got notes. my usual color commentary on clothing. That That's true. That's true. So. Okay, okay, so let's keep going. So Quan comes in. Oleander's no longer running the class because she says because of his workload. Okay, cool. So let's keep going. So here we go. Um, well, I'm glad that he gave it up like voluntarily in a way, which Paige definitely takes to heart. And I just want to make a note of that. She's just like, he decided, like you can see it on her face. He decided not to keep this class. I'm in this class. I Oh no. Right. Yeah. Like she's just like, yeah, the gears kind of start turning in her head. And, and, but, but she, you know, she's on this ride and she is not getting off, apparently. Oh my god, I have such a recommendation for this <laughs> Good. So. <gasps> I forgot to come up with a wreck. Oh, okay. oh no, go on. Anyway, I'm sure we'll go into like some tangent that will then trigger a memory of you. Have, then you will have like a, a recommendation. Yes, um, my brain is actively on the way for the mm. rest of the show. Go on. Just go, sure. just go into your Degrassi mind palace. God, my Degrassi mind palace is crumbling. Um, anyway, so we're at the dance in the in one of our last scenes of this plot. Uh, Paige approaches the front, and Oleander is there as a chaperone, I guess, which sounds like a horrible idea if he already knows that he has this unhealthy relationship dynamic with the student, but who knows? Um, and so she gets her uh, her uh, results. Because this whole entire Cupid dance is themed around two themes. There is one theme, which is a Cupid may theme. I... Yes, I'm sorry, please. may I interject my first um, please do. clothing commentary? Um, Paige arrives in a pink sheer off-the-shoulder shawl with a sparkling hot pink, yellow, and blue design emblazoned on the front. Yes. It's just, it's important to me because she wears a lot of pink dangly off-the-shoulder shawls. This is not the first, and everyone else is You're wearing right. red. But she is stuck to the pink off the shoulder. She's an off the shoulder girl. She's an off the shoulder bell bottom flare jean type of girl. Okay, she'd make it big in Texas. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I think last episode she was wearing that pink cowboy hat, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my god! There's so many hats in this episode alone. <laughs> it's true, and they are all choices. <sighs> choices. They are choices. But um okay. Okay. Um anyway, um so Oleander, because he can't fucking shut his face, is like, oh, so who did you get? Um and Paige reveals that she's like, I got you because Marco used his printing powers. Anyway, part of the Cupid dance, there's these two pieces. There's the Cupid theme. And then there's also this thing where, like, students filled out a survey of literally three questions, maybe two questions, because it looked like the superhero one was not in the database later, um, that pairs people up with people who choose things. I have, a, I have a lot of things to say about this method, mostly because of Darcy and what this suggests Darcy is into. <laughs> <laughs> but that is not yet. We'll talk about that in the A-plot. Um, so, Marco planted the, uh, thing to say that Oleander was with Paige, and Oleander is mad about it, um, and storms off saying, that, like, I wasn't participating in it, and Marco is upset, 
Um, and tell, and like, you can tell he's uncomfortable during the whole entire reveal, and he tells her that, like, she's out of favors with him. Like, she's done. Like, he is done. She is no longer in his good graces. Um, which is interesting. And also, I, where was his moral compass in this episode? I'm so sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, because fine. he was like, I mean, we haven't gotten into the A-plot yet, but he was too, he was not messing with Manny's things. I guess maybe because... He's attached to Spinner's feelings a bit more, but he was just like, Manny, this is the way you're supposed to feel and handle this. And this person feels this way about you, which means you're ob- obligated to make sure that they still feel OK and all this other stuff. But with this very wrong plot involving Paige, he's just like, yeah, I'll put Mr. Oleander in the fucking Cupid matchogram for you. Like, what? They're both problematic. What are you doing? I feel like this one's okay for you. Well, I think the thing with Spinner was more him being vindictive. I didn't really read that as him abiding by any rules. It read to me like he wanted to teach Manny a lesson and his loyalty to Spinner made him say, hey, Manny, fuck that. I saw you trying to mess with this. You got to confront the fact that you like, you know, you have to confront the fact that you hurt my friend's feelings. Meanwhile, in this one, I feel like Marco Marco is complicated because Marco has a moral code and we see that moral code present itself, but we've also seen it compromised multiple times, a lot of the time by more dominating personalities. He's easily coerced into shitty ideas. So, whether it's Craig stealing a car or, in this case, Marco facilitating a teacher-student relationship, it does kind of track... I wish that this might have been something that was... I feel like the dynamic between him and Paige should have been the meat of that plot. It should have been, you know, Paige kind of going into this this space, wanting to pursue this relationship. Marco maybe acknowledging, like, he's kind of the end of the line in terms of who she's going to turn to during this whole entire thing and be like, hey, what the fuck is this? And yet still, like, allowing himself to help facilitate it and him processing the fact that he feels really fucking shitty that he facilitated something that is morally terrible, but also Paige is a very convincing person. That's not what happened. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I'm just thinking, like, Marco also takes his Oleander, like, making complaint to Hasalakos. Oh, that feels so good to say. Don't just say making a complaint to Radish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, like, you're out as student council president, and then Alex rises to power. <laughs> there we go. Um, but, yeah, it's... <laughs> and the, 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 what, what does say this sure. plot, plot line for me is if, like, Paige has a walkie-talkie to Alex who's just sitting by Oleander's car ready to slash his tires. Oh my god. <laughs> There's just so, like, there. Are, I really don't think this plot ever needed to happen, but there were ways to make me have more fun during it. Yeah, have Alex be really mean to Oleander constantly. Yeah, just constantly brutal. But, um... That would be fun. It would be. It's so useful. Right. But, um... So, we end up having a a scene in the hallway where Paige corners Oleander, um, and she says, like, you either like me or you don't, which is also, like, such, like, once again, it's it's pulling this very specific kind of vibe that just doesn't feel like Degrassi. Like, this whole plot just doesn't feel like a Degrassi plot, because ultimately, Degrassi is a moral tale. Like, usually, 
even it, once again, sometimes I think it's too conservative or it's not, you know, it's very misguided or out of date. But most of the time, it's like supposed to be like, hey, here's the good side, here's the bad side. This one is reveling in the power dynamic struggle of it and reveling in the uh, like obsessive nature that teacher-student relationships usually are portrayed as. And it just feels so out of place, both against Paige as a character, but also just against Degrassi and kind of the, the you know, the, the mission of the whole entire series. Like, the thing is, the, the way Matt talks in this scene is the way you talk to a child. Yeah. But he is not acknowledging Paige as a child. Exactly. Which makes all this so gross. Why are you acting like this? If you're going to behave like this, stop trying to provoke me. Those are things a parent says to their kid. Right. And it's just... Ugh. But it's also weird. You know what's weirder is that he's saying things like that, and the writing... I'm sorry, I don't know who wrote this episode. I didn't look it up. But the writing's not really good in this episode. No. Um, because there are things that he says like that, and they kind of make sense for the situation, um, no matter how they turn out. But, like, her responses don't quite correlate. Like, yes. he, he said, like, stop trying to provoke me. And then she said, stop acting like a jealous boyfriend. And I'm like, when did that happen? No, like, I, what are you talking about? Jealous of what? Right. I don't understand. And then she's like, stop acting like a jealous boyfriend. You either like me or you don't. And it's like, he's been, he hasn't been showing you any, he hasn't been acting like he does necessarily. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it, it's almost as if she has this fantasy that she's built up with 90% her imagination and 10% his confirmation. But right. somehow he's still like gets overwhelmed and overcome and, like, can't hold it back and, like, almost kisses her and would have if Manny had not caught them. Right. Which, by the way, I heard her footsteps. I don't know how they didn't hear her footsteps, but all right. Like, fine. I guess we're not good at listening when we're about to have a serious forbidden kiss. (laughs) Whatever. No, I agree. There's this weird aspect of the whole entire episode where it really feels like a lot of the dialogue is our situations with characters are like talking at each other but not quite talking like in a conversation with each other it it feels literally like they were people like the way that it was written it feels a lot like two different people wrote each character but as opposed to like an rp log where it's like at least you get the response that the other person says it was just like a like outline and they were filling in the outline like Things just, they're not conversational at all. And also there's this weird thing where Oleander is talking about, like, being provoked. It's like, nah, dog. Like, there's no provocation here. Like, you don't get provoked by a child pursuing you. You go, oh, I'm gonna go tell my cooperating teacher that this is fucking happening. Or I'm gonna try and get a new placement. Or I'm gonna tell, like, a professor at my university. Or anything but that, like... It, this is not about you getting provoked. Like, it's just this really gross little thing that, once again, reiterates, like, male sexuality is this weird, uncontrollable beast, and men are always going to fall for, like, the, you know, the allure of a young girl. And it's like, shut up! Matt is Matt is the human personification of every one of those shitty rock and roll songs where it's just like, She's only 17, but I fall in love with her! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a good rendition. <laughs> oh, 
just <laughs> yeah you know what yeah you're right you're right it's just yeah it's a lot of that that kind of bullshit and it always makes me so fucking um I don't know. It's just this whole fucking thing just makes me feel so fucking weird. And then the last scene of the whole entire thing is at the front of the school, and Paige is chasing Oleander. Like, straight up chasing. Um, and they have this whole exchange of, like, I understand if you can't do this. It's like, hello? Hello? Like, I understand you can't do this is, like, I'm overworked and I cannot balance having a relationship. Or I understand you can't do this is like, I'm not out yet to my parents and I don't feel comfortable pursuing, like, you know, anything during that time. Or, like, I'm going through mental health crisis and I need to work on myself before I can, like, have relationships with people. That's what that usually means. It does not mean I am a teacher and you are a student. That is not what that means. And then they kiss. And then... They kiss. And then, like, he sets up all these rules. Wait. Yes. Yes. What scene exactly are we on? Are we on the, on the bus stop scene? Or are we on yes. the, the bus, bus stop, stop scene. scene? Okay, cool, 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 We're about, we're about to... <laughs> Just to make sure. Of course. And then Matt's like, okay, well, we can't get caught. Not again, but we have to meet all so school fast. girls. God. He well, caped so fast. <laughs> We can't get caught even though we're making out outside, right outside the fucking school. <laughs> you chased me out two paces. Can't get caught. We're making out though right here, right now. Mr. Simpson. Snake is just like, I need somebody to get more ice. What the fuck, Matt? <laughs> right. Like, it's... He's always getting more ice. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, um... Yeah, it's just, like, it's just so off-putting, this whole entire plot. And, like, that's the thing. It's, like, it's one of those things that just gets me incensed to a point that it's not even, like, fun to pick apart. Because, once again, it doesn't feel like it should be a Degrassi plot. It just feels like this really inappropriate, uninteresting thing. And I'm very mad that this has happened hot off the heels of, like, once again, it's just, like, this season has baffled me. Because of the fact that, like, you open pretty strong, you have this pretty decently handled school shooting episode, and it feels like after that point, no episode has been able to truly recover, like, to a level that that episode reached. It was like they put all of their eggs in that well, basket. That, that's not, it wasn't even the beginning of the ep- season. The beginning of the season opened with that fucking horrifying two-parter of the rape trial. But at least that, that was, it was sad. That's upsetting. But it's not, it wasn't, like, horrible episodes. Yeah, no, like... It was rough. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, it just... What, like, did did the, like, what happened? Right, and, like, that's the thing. It's, like, if this was a case of Paige spiraling in response toward the trial, then it has to be portrayed as if that is what's happening. If yeah. Paige is just, like, trying to get attention because, like, you know, she lost so much autonomy during not only the sexual assault, but also when she went through a court case, then I would be able to at least be like, this is why I'm on this ride. But that's never been clear in this, and it doesn't feel like that's the revelation we're trying to get at with the way that it's being written. It, it doesn't feel like somebody going off. It doesn't feel like a character, like, she doesn't feel like somebody you know that you're losing to something like it's not like even though i you know craig and his handling of bipolar of being bipolar is a bit hit or miss in places 
at least in the case of Craig, you do kind of feel like, oh, what the fuck is happening to this familiar person? Paige, this page feels entirely different. Yeah. And just kind of fitting the role of a teacher-student relationship in this way as opposed to, like, you know, what I think they might be trying to do. And this is a hard might because I don't really remember if this ever is thought about. But, like, is, you know, is this just her needing, like, you know, spiraling a little bit? It's the opposite problem of what happened with Rick. Where they designed Rick for the bullying and eventual school shooting episodes. Because Rick was a new character we hadn't spent that much time with, and it made sense. Like, this is the opposite, whereas, like, we're coming in with something with a character we've seen before, and it doesn't make sense for her character. Right. (sighs) Anyway, we're done. Yeah. I have nothing else to say. Demi, do you have anything else to say? Uh, That was really rude of me to just be like, we're done! No. No, no, no. All of my, like, all of my notes are just things clearly me trying to focus on but i realize that the thing that i do now when i'm uh making notes for this show is that i like don't focus like we know what the bad stuff is like what the plot should not be doing what the writer should not be doing what is depressing so i end up focusing on things which is like ha this didn't make any sense or haha this made me laugh and so like you can just skip all of my notes that are actually of substance <laughs> i'm done Oh no! If you uh, yeah, if you ever have any of those things you want to share, though, like don't yeah. hesitate. No, it's literally just like Paige asks Marco what she should do after Oleander stormed away from the little welcome table at the dance, and then somehow she's leading him through the hallway. Like she went to catch up with him, but she's walking in front of him. How did that happen? Like that's what my notes are. They're like this is not important, good, but though. it's a spoof. Yeah, yeah. Um, shall we go to the A-plot? I mean, it's... Uh, yeah. Alright, so... Let's do it. I want to talk about these looks. <laughs> yes, at least there's that. At least there's that. So we're at the dot, and Spinner is trying to divide his, deten- his attention between Manny and his job. Now, the thing is, is that he reveals is that he has a new manager, and this person has very high expectations for the amount of tables that he is supposed to be turning. So he is frantically running back and forth. It's not really like when he usually is seen at the dot where he kind of lackadaisically comes up to his friend's table and just kind of shoot the shit with them. We, we see him actually having to push himself a bit. Um, they, he it, called her a battle axe, and it was he held on the B yes. so hard that I thought he was going to say bitch. I was like, did they want him to and they couldn't get approval? Is that what it was? It got, you know, she is a battle axe. I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, the way that you pointed out, I wonder if that's the case because I do feel like that has happened a couple times where they picked a peculiar word and like the only and like that could be what they were trying to get at. I'm just wondering. If there's a whole like they keep using like 1920s, 1930s slang, and they're just like, oh, fuck. Or like, like, fuck, we can't use that, that word. Just throw in some 1930s slang. Because the only person I've ever heard that term come from is my, like, 70-year-old dad. I'm always really tempted one day. Like, maybe this is something that we should discuss off-air. But, like, I always fucking want to create a, a another segment. And the segment is specifically um, who gets to say the word fuck. Oh, I, I thought that was already a segment, because oh, yeah. I say Manny. <laughs> right, yeah, Manny deserves to say fuck in this episode. 
for sure. But um, it's, it's, a, it's a five second de- decision. That's true, Manny. It's very easy for this one. But let's let's talk about this. So um, they smooch, um, and as they're smooching, Manny notes the song playing, and Spinner is very mean about it. Ugh. Because he's mean. He's a mean boy. <laughs> this reminds me of um, my favorite rapper, Dessa. One point in between songs, she's just like, Hey, dudes in, in the audience, if you came here for a date, my suggestion, at least pretend that you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> Not a bad idea. It will make everything so much easier on all ends. <laughs> wow. So... <laughs> So, but yeah, so, yeah, he's just, he's like, makes fun of her taste in music. And then Manny, like, calls him friend. And then he does this really weird caveman talk, which I am not, I refuse to have any of us quote from the transcript because it was horrible. I, like, don't really, was he inviting her to go camping? Was that what he was trying to do? Yes. Okay. Thank no. You. Yeah, well, yes. Hmm. I don't know if he was trying to, how many, how many, like, how many things are we trying to weasel into one conversation? Because he heard the word friend and was like, no, 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 I claim you. But also, if he's also trying to invite her to go camping, then he is just trying all of his luck in one day. <laughs> right, exactly. He definitely, he said, you make sure I bathe every day, which I'm tired of this. I don't know why anyone's dating cis men if they're not bathing every day. Please, let's not do this anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Please stop it. And then me make you go camping, which, what? Right, like, it's just this really bizarre thing. And it's, like, not even to say the spinner would not lapse into, like, stupid fucking shit like that. But also, at the same time, he totally would, but also it makes, it is entirely, like, inconsequential and incoherent as a viewer. Um, And then he's like, hey, like, let's be official. And she is very apprehensive at the premise of it. Whatever it is. And then we get to the opening. <laughs> then we go to the, then we go to the Oh. Home. Yes. Yes. Fashion. She is wearing. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. Wait, I lost my notes one second. Manny's wearing lower rise jeans as per usual, a hot pink short sleeve shirt with the collar, and a fucking hot pink fedora cocked to the side. Why? That's not much to talk about. However, I just want to note that Wardrobe is doing a lot. They're having a lot of early odds fun, mid-odds fun with this girl here. This entire episode. Like, why Why was costuming so obsessed with giving her hats like this? Like, it felt like it started know. with... It's not even her last hat on the episode. She's going to have four hats. Oh, it was like they got really into that, really into it. I feel like the cowboy hat was the turning point. <laughs> like, the orange cowboy hat... Then they realized they could do it, and then they just kept doing it. And it's like, I mean, I guess the hats were, I don't, I mean, uh, is this where I confess I mean, that I, I mean, uh, Marco gets a bad hat later. Marco gets two bad hats later. It's just it's not a good time for hats. No, not you know, honestly, now that I think about it, I had a Vans fedora when I was that age. You didn't have to tell us that, and you did anyway, you brave soul. I really did, but hey, I, I've, I've said a lot. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, like, that feels more embarrassing to reveal on air than, like, any of my fucked up family shit. <laughs> but, like, it was so... None of my fashion was good at that time. None of our fashion was no, good. No, it's such a wasteland of a trend. Like, the saddest thing 
is when you realize that timeline you truly know fashion from that era was useless because you go to a thrift store and you find anything from that era and it just looks cheap and sad that's so bad it's so bad so my history of hats is no history because my head's too big (laughs) well consider yourself lucky because you you could have been wearing a vans fedora for an extended part of high school I, 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 I probably I probably told this story a few times. I apologize if I have, but my sister's friend Bev always made fun of how large our heads are. And um, at one point we were discussing like our births and like Bev and my sister was like, oh, both my brother and I were had to be C-sections. And Beth's like, oh, wow, why? And Susie's just like, you know why. And Beth's like, no, I don't. And she's like, our heads were too big. <laughs> and Beth started laughing so hard that she admitted, like, years later that she peed herself a little bit. Wow. She couldn't stop oh, laughing. God. Wow. I admitted it right then and there. <laughs> wow. A good laugh. Wow. Also, not nice. Eh. <laughs> my, my mom, like, at one point, I was, I was, like, was saying, whatever, I'm not gonna keep talking about my giant head. <laughs> no, I remember the story, your mother said that it's because you have big brains, you're all so smart, you and your sister are so smart, yeah? Yeah, and then I was just like, have you met us, mom? <laughs> <laughs> to me, I love that you actually listened to the show, and... <laughs> That was so I cute. listened to the show. It was a really nice exchange between the two of you. I listen you to Dan. my podcasts. Hey. The thing I do. Um, so sweet. To me, you're the best. Uh, I am keeping a tally on all the fucking Friday Night Lights references. God damn it, Tony. I'm sorry. You want know to sad? I was not. I didn't talk about it on the podcast today until right now. But I, I was. I was trying to explain a very specific scene to someone yet today who never saw it. And I was like, why am I doing this? There's no need. I just got so into it and so into the characters. I was like, oh, there's this. And the person's like, oh, I don't think that really applies here. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Sorry. I just got really excited. Anyway. So the that's next- me with Pretty Little Liars and Gossip Girl. I cannot talk. So. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm, I'm just waiting for the fire emblem. Friday night's AU. Thing. Stop! No, no, I already have an idea and I can't <laughs> say it on air! Wow. Wow. <laughs> I read a good um, Avatar The Last Airbender, I think, Harry Potter crossover AU once, and I was just like, I don't know how you guys made this reach, but it's working for me. Right. Oh my god, no, no, no. See, see, you have my favorite character, my favorite ship. You have one of them be the quarterback and the other one be on the O-line because they have to protect him. <laughs> Listeners, you cannot see the smug expression Donnie has as he leans back away from me <laughs> in his stripes letter with his hand on his cheek. <laughs> I heard all the smug. I heard the, the corners of the mouth turn up on that one. Also, um... Folks, get ready at some point when I finally finish my Persona 4 Pretty Little Liars crossover fanfiction. Are you actually? Oh that sounds fun. You Narukami goes to, uh, goes to wherever the fuck they're from. Um, 
as an exchange student, and he's just like, wow, a lot of people getting thrown in TVs because a lot of people have some fucked up shit going on in their lives. <laughs> Do it. So I'm Stopping you. Anyway, um... Chase your bliss. Next scene, Manny's showing student around. <laughs> she says, she uses the word chat. What? Chase? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, anyway. Wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. Yes, yes, yes. Manny's wearing. <laughs> yes, this outfit intrigued me, so I would love your, your commentary. This one is like, this is like bespoke. I don't know where she got this from. This Cole saw that? Did she get that at Coles? Do they have Coles in Canada? Anyway, um, let's see. Where do I have this scene? Please hold. Oh, it's like the first. It's like still kind of the first. It's like the. It's really early on. Okay. Um, please hold some traveling music, please. Okay. Uh, Manny Shanchester around, blah, blah, blah. She's wearing a peach colored two piece look. The bottom is a midi skirt, perhaps in cotton slash velour, with a purple drawstring. The top is a zip-up situation with flared sleeves, I yes. shit you not, and a yes. cinched empire waist with pink and purple horizontal stripes on the cinched part. There are pink, yellow, and purple designs on the skirt. There may or may not be a hood I could not discern. And there's another hot pink shirt beneath that. So she's really filling the hot pink. We're doing a thing. This is also one of her best hair eras, to be honest. Yes. It gets wonky later. It does. It, it, I was gonna actually going to say that, too. It feels like her hair, like, they finally figured out what to do. Like, it felt like for a while they didn't really know how to handle her hair type. And, like, her hair would get, like, these... It almost felt like it got... It looked, like, almost, like, frizzy. I couldn't quite put my finger on what was happening with it, but they didn't really know what they were doing. But right now her hair looks great. And then they block it out with fucking hats. <laughs> Yeah, true. And also, spoilers, Frank, I'm sorry, later seasons, the hair is not good. It's it's very of the time. It's so of the time. It's It's so... It's true, that's true. Yeah, it's like, I remember trying to get the same haircuts, and it would never work. No point listening to this now that I know that Manny has bad hair. Yeah. That's the secret to unlock everything. Um, Sorry. So she's showing Chester around. Um... And, yeah, so Chester, he's this new student, uh, typical moppy-haired boy of the era. Um, During it, Craig is in the general vicinity, so she introduces him to Chester. um, And Craig, like, before she goes to follow Chester to the uh, cafeteria, Craig stops her. And he says that she's his biggest mistake. And she's like, oh, cool, okay, fuck. And he says that he should have, if like, you know, looking back on it, he should have stopped with the whole entire, uh, I assume he's talking specifically to the unprotected sex, um, but I think Manny is reading it more as like the whole entire relationship was a mistake. Um, regardless, she's really upset. He says that it caused a lot of pain for the two of them, and Manny is outraged at the implication that like he, he like, you know, like, he, he's suggesting that they have experienced the same amount of pain. Where I think Manny was really wanted, if he was going to say anything like this, it felt like she really wanted him to say, like, hey, no, I treated you like shit, and then you went through this horrible experience of having an abortion, and I feel really fucking bad about it. Yeah, and this is the point where... He makes it about him some more. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Um, Which, like, he doesn't he doesn't say it's all about me, but he, he makes sure that this apology is about him. 
because she tries to get away a couple of times and he literally would step in front of her. Yeah. Or she'd be like, it's okay, and try to walk away. And he would grab her and be like, it's not okay, and here's why, because I need to apologize. It's, and it's like, you're not even doing a good job of that, and now she's in even more pain. Good yeah. Job. It's 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 just very odd, especially hot off the heels of his major, like, you know, his major arc of Voices carry. Because it's like, what are you trying to say with this scene, right? Like, I understand to a certain extent it's supposed to be a half-assed attempt at connecting the fact that Manny still has a lot of unresolved tension and issues relating to her relationship with Craig. However, it, it occupies a very weird space because it's also like, why is Craig apologizing? Because it kind of feels like it's very discon... Like, I assume the reasoning is like, oh, you know, he's finally getting clarity because he's on he's in treatment and he's, like, on medication and now he's, like, you know, kind of looking back on, on some of the more shitheaded stuff he did and now he's seeking to apologize. But, like, it once again, as, as to me, as you pointed, like, he he's very physical in how he tries to, like, get Manny to listen to him which puts this in a really kind of frightening space because, once again, it's this implication that, like, you know, mentally ill people are violent and cross boundaries and are physical. And I understand, like, you know, obviously, like, sometimes, yeah, it's true. Sometimes mental illness does mean you trash a room and things like that. But once again, they're kind of continuing this idea that, like, Craig now is capable of hurting people similar to how his dad hurt him. him. And that's just, whether, in, like, I don't know how intentional that is and how much of it is just leaning on really gross, violent tropes about mental illness, but it, it does create a really scary thing for a viewer to have if they really thought about it, because it's like, what if you're a kid who is going through that and then sees a kid who just got, like, you know, revealed his whole entire abuse and now is hurting people and grabbing people and things like that? Like, that's a really fucking shitty feeling, and that leaves a mark on somebody. Or even if you're an adult watching it, you're like, well, fuck this. It's very odd and very misguided from the writers to have Craig behave in this way, especially right after we saw him be very vulnerable and say, hey, this is the thing that I have, and this is the thing that I have to deal with, and this is the thing I have to learn how to manage and, and maintain. And it just feels really, really foolish to do this. I think that they're irresponsible. I don't think that they realize that they're making him... I mean, I don't really know. But I feel like they don't know how dickish they're making him seem. I think that they just tried to make it seem like he's putting his foot in his mouth. And the outcome, which is their end goal, is that Manny is thinking about this more lately. Or she's or she's sort of, like, reliving that trauma a little bit because he brought it up. Right. And that's, like, the point that they're trying to make is that he put his foot in his mouth. But it's more than he put his foot in his mouth. It's he's not learning a goddamn thing. Right. <laughs> like, he's... Being a dick. Right, exactly. It's, yeah, like I said, like, I, I don't think a lot of, I don't really think ultimately the way that they're handling this is intentional. I think that unfortunately a lot of, like, the way that mental illness is written in media and things like that, I think it's, like, really hard to unlearn, even if you yourself are mentally ill, right? Like, you could be going through similar things that Craig does, but you can still internalize a lot of how media has portrayed a lot of mental illness. I know it's something I struggle with myself where it's just like I have very specific images of some of the things that I've been diagnosed with and I feel like a lot of my time is me unpacking it and being like, oh, well, maybe that isn't necessarily true or that's not necessarily true for every single person and things like that. It's just, 
it's a really com complicated topic, and I don't think anybody is really immune to falling into this. I think it just requires a lot of thought. And I think even if Craig being bipolar is well-intentioned and supposed to be bringing up a discussion about mental illness, it can still not always end up working well for the episode, especially in episodes where he is not necessarily the focus. So, Agreed. yeah. It's, uh, so Manny's really upset. Rightfully so, too. Yeah. He, he does not handle this well or appropriately, and I, too, would be rattled. Um, we go to the main office because she was swapped in for Paige. Um, Radich is storming out with a box of stuff and saying, like, you know, if you were planning to meet with the principal, like, it's not me. Um, and he reveals that the board has assigned him to another school. Um, which is the most, this is the most chaotic fucking shit, which is really funny to me because I just don't know how board of ed systems work in Canada, but like seeing this happen in the middle of the day is so wild. It's like, do they have an emergency meeting? What happened? Um, I want the minutes. <laughs> I do like this because Mr. Because Radish says, if you're waiting for the principal and I assume you are, I'm not the principal you're waiting for. She's inside. And Manny is just like, is that a riddle? <laughs> like, right, yeah, she's like, ha ha, you're the joking. The most Ravenclaw thing she could have said. <laughs> right? It's so funny. Um, but when they walk in, they see that Hasselakos is now the interim principal. Okay, but also, I would have said there are two points where Manny should have said fuck. One, to Craig. Two, to Radish <laughs> as he left. Yes. <laughs> just under her breath. Fuck. Yes, that would have been perfect. God, that's the thing. That's He's a, been there for so long. That's the problem with teen media is like they really, because of rating systems, really undersell how much kids curse. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I like whenever I they curse a lot and loudly and wrong. They do. <laughs> like whenever I'm writing YA. I always do at least, there, there's a couple drafts. In the first, the earliest drafts, it's usually, like, me just writing how I hear kids. Because I, as somebody who works with kids, I, it's very easy for me to write how kids talk. And then, like, I have somebody else look at it and they have to be like, okay, maybe you said shit a little too much. And maybe, you definitely <laughs> said fuck too much. And it's just kind of, like, pruning it and being like, when can I use it? When is it appropriate? Because they use it a hell of a lot more than I am revealing. Um... But it would be so satisfying if they had, like, the under-the-breath muttering fuck or, like, just, like, little things like that. It would just be such a good little pop of, I don't know, flavor, I guess, in how teens behave. But, um, so Hasselakos is in the office and she's talking about, she's jumping right into this role, like, doesn't even, like, have anything set up yet. And she says that she's trying to find ways to create school spirit in the community. Um, they ask about the play. She reveals that actually she, she is going to be meeting with JT and Liberty and that the play is going to be back. Um, the Dracula play is going to be back. Um, I assume that's what that implies. I don't think they said it directly, but yeah, I think we're back to that. Um, and she also wants Marco and now Manny to come up with some sort of school event to facilitate this school spirit energy. Um, so we go to the hallway, and Manny is talking to a fucking brick wall known as Emma Nelson. Um, and she's like, hey, Why is Emma acting like this? I don't remember. I don't remember um, either! Is, oh, is it just that she's fucked up from after the shooting? Um, I'm gonna say 
the pessimist in me says, yeah, kind of still traumatized from the shooting. The optimist in me says, um, from Shades, the guy who Spinner's Gate sold the iPod, Sullivan? Sully. Sully. I assume Sullivan Sorry. is his government, but um, Sully. Sully sold her some primo <laughs> weed. God. Or, or Sean wrote her a letter and just like, hey, things are doing okay. By the way, here's some of Tracker's good kush. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, her reaction, she's very, just like very flat. And it's weird because once again, like all three of us kind of had a moment where we're like, wait, why? But I, I think what we're supposed to read is just she is in a really weird, bad brain space right now because of what happened at the shooting. Which is understandable, but I think would have been helpful if Manny makes a comment or something like that that helps us have the establishment that that might be what's happening. Because for all intents and purposes, it literally sounds like Manny is like, hey, Emma, you have any ideas for an event? And Emma's just like, bye-bye. And, like, that's it. <laughs> it. It just does, it just, it's so odd. Um, and, then, and then even Otter is fucking Spinner. Coming behind, holding a llama, and making oh, noises. Oh, boy. Thank you very fucking much. Llamas. <laughs> it's definitely in my notes. It's like, apparently, it is a llama, even though it apparently says back. <laughs> right? Llamas don't make ba noises. Fuck. Unless I'm mistaken, they go, yeah, no, they don't make very cute noises. I do love them, but they do not. It would have been more noise. appropriate if you made a hawk and spit noise than that, right? Like, though, apparently llamas make better uh, guardians to sheep than uh, than sheepdogs. They do, they do. It's really nice. Um, a lot of like, um, if you no, go to a lot of cousins, yeah, well, fluffy cousins, alpacas also. Like, they have like a lot of alpaca farms have like a guard llama. Could you imagine just being... Just, yeah, it's really cute. Just being a coyote, and you're just like, alright, gotta give me a tit some lamb tonight. And you're just like, what the fuck? What the fuck was this tall sheep? No, like, they're they're very territorial, and, like, they're, they're, very, they're very good at what they do. Um, alright. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so, Spinner reveals a llama from the fluffy animal collection that she used to collect stuffed animals from. Who baas. Um... And once again, he asks about being official, um, and she says that they're having fun, and why should they do that? And oh. also... Oh, that was the greatest line of the episode, right. honestly. The way she delivered it was so, I'm a high school boy. Yes. Like a high school straight boy, that I was like, yeah, give it to him. We're having fun, right? Right. Why do we have to go and make it all official? It was so... <laughs> Fuck, it's true, though. It's so, like, what... It's exactly what straight boy. It, that's exactly it. Or um, like a frat boy. Yeah, and then like. That's the that's the kind of sentence that says I'm gonna leave you on red. Right, right, and then like, <laughs> and then as she's walking off, she's like, "Craig already got this for me two years ago," and it's just like, "Oh, <laughs> oof." She leaves him on red, and then she hits him up at three twenty two a.m. You up, baby? Exactly though. Like <laughs> only. Right! It's, this has to be how we're supposed to read this. Um, 
But, so we go outside, Manny and Marco are brainstorming, Chester materializes and suggests a Cupid dance, which as we said before, Cupid theme, and then there is a matchmaking component via computer, and that he said that he will gladly share the info on how to make it happen for a free ticket and a dance with Manny. And we've already seen this matchmaking program before. Right, right, because like, well, I think the thing was, was, Toby's was just based on an algorithm, and this one is based on survey responses. So it is a little different, because I was about to say the same thing, and then I actually thought about it, and I went, technically there are differences. However, they need a better theme idea. There are plenty of better themes for dances. If, if Kendra was still around. Ken- survey. Right. If Kendra was still around, like, hers would just match her up with sports. And, and like- Naruto. <laughs> It's just, it's a, like a stick man made out of hockey stick, like field hockey sticks for the arms and like regular hockey sticks for the body and the legs and a basketball with a face drawn on it for the head and a Naruto headband. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> hey, better than Toby. Anyway, so the next scene we go What's to- her heart? We miss Kendra. I miss her so much. I miss Kendra. Ahead of her time. Ahead of her time. R.I.P. Kendra. She was. She really was. She would have been such a hit of a character now. And I will stand by that. That girl had a Um. Anyway, in the computer lab, Chester is showing off his matchmaking thing, Um. and he, he, like, has three questions, which is definitely not, like, I, f- I have a lot of questions about these questions, and he's like, well, you could put in a superhero. And Manny says, what about Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls, which is a valid response. And he's like, no, you can't. And in my head, I'm like, these are multiple choice. Fuck yeah. Like. Sexist bastard. Right. Like, it's multiple. They literally fight the crime. Exactly. Like, <sighs> they are superheroes. And also, like, he's typing it in. It's not like it's like a multiple choice thing and then it matches based on the multiple choice. Like, if that was the case, he, you know, and he said, oh, you can't pick that. That implies to me, like, oh, you can't pick it because it's not an option. No, this is an open answer. You can just type whatever the fuck you want. I can say my, you know, my favorite superhero is, like, a fucking unicorn. And that, in theory, is a valid answer. It just may not get me a match. That said, everybody, who is your favorite superhero? Who would you put? Oh, now? Now and then? That's a good, that's a good question. Who would you put now? Who would you put then? Then, Batman. Me too. Um, now Miss Marvel. Valid. Yeah, I think mine would have been. Mine would be Batman then, and I would put Captain Marvel now. Yeah. Oh my god, I have no idea. Then, as in, like then that year, at what age I was, I was, or then at her age. Does that make sense? Like um, then, what age I was in two thousand five or whatever. I would say or... yeah, whatever age you were in two thousand five. Um, that would have been 14, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no fucking clue. It must have been probably like Captain Underpants. That's valid. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good answer. Random shit. That's a good answer. And then <laughs> it was a fun, fun time, Captain Underpants. Um, and now, ooh, um, I don't remember any of these characters' names. Now it would be Shuri. That's a good answer, too. For sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. From Black Panther. Yeah. yeah. These are good. These are all good answers for superheroes. Um, and then the question, favorite movie, which she said Honey, which I think is so Manny. So what, 
totally in character. Right? Like, like, so in character. She may as well have said, like, love don't cost a thing. Like, that was right. the only other really great answer for her. I thought that was so cute. Um, my favorite, my mind back then, I would have said Labyrinth, which might be my answer now. Um, I may put the Dark Crystal to be a little, a little spacey and different, um, and try and find another freak at the, at the dance that also likes the Dark Crystal. Um, that, that would probably be my answer now. How about you, Frank? Um, by 2005, I already seen my favorite movie, Cold Mountain. True. So, it would probably still be Cold Mountain. <laughs> Valid. Um, and then, um, the question of... What was the last question? Oh yeah, if you have a if you have a partner, like what? So so what was that gonna do either way? Like once again, very confused. Um, she says that she has no one. Um, and then when they plug in the name, um, it states that she and he he are compatible solely because there are only two fucking people in this database. Oh. Um, and he is super fucking into her. Um, and she is presumably into him, and Spinner is upsetty. <laughs> He's sussed. He comes up looking like, uh-huh. Right. <laughs> he may as well cock his head to the side and, like, prop up one ear. It's true. <laughs> it's also, like, really ostentatious when they reveal the match, because it's, like, not only does it have, like, these two really shoddy-looking, like, pictures of the two of them... But it also has, like, a lot of hearts and, like, a lot of glittery type oh, shit. Yeah. And it starts playing a... I'm like, slack a little... Right, it has, like, a I'm little... I'm supposed to talk about that website. Right. We remember the towels. Yes, never forget the towels. That's right, Caitlin, the fucking towels. But, like, also there's, that like... was my first show. There's also, like, a long, like, MIDI song that's playing, too. It's, like, really yeah. distracting. So like it's the romance song from yeah. The Sims. I mean, I'm sure it has other, um, or I don't know what they are. I don't know what the song is called, but this one's like. I don't know. It's I don't remember. I don't remember what it's called either. Like now that you point it out, I don't know the name of that, but it definitely means what it means. Yes, for sure. Um. So, so that happens, Spinner's very upset, and then we go to the front of the school. Manny is super fucking distracted as Spinner's trying to give her a sandwich, um, and... A banana sandwich. Yes. And as they're, as they're talking, um, Spinner reveals that he can't go to the dance because he has work, and he can't take off because of this new manager situation. To me, reasonable. Um... And Manny is very mad, um, and basically makes the jump that if he can't commit to the dance, he can't commit to her. And there's a part of me that feels like, do teenagers sometimes jump to a ridiculous conclusion and see uh, someone, you know, a partner having work as, like, an affront toward them? Yes. But the... It just feels so... odd and out of place. Because it's like... I don't want to say, like, Manny has, like, lived beyond that scope, but it just feels, it just makes her come off ridiculous in a way that I don't think they were intending. I think that they were really trying to set this up, that she was super, like, riled up after seeing Craig and now kind of lashing out at Spinner because of how she feels. 
but it just was never really clear enough as a viewer that she just kind of comes off like a bit of an asshole, quite frankly. Because, you know... Can I tell you what my first take was and then my final take when I rewatched? Sure, I would love to hear it. So, my first take was that um, she was supposed to be coming off as if, like, she just doesn't want him. And, like, he misread the situation. She she enjoys whatever, like, physical relationship they have or the fun that they have. But she does not want to be with him. And she's looking for any way to get out of it. And my Mm -hmm. second read on it, even though I don't understand how we got here, I think what they ultimately were trying to do was make it so that, like, she obviously has a problem with making herself that vulnerable like be in another relationship like situation where she thinks she can be happy because craig hurt her so much in such a deep way mm-hmm. and marco is right and she doesn't she does she's just really afraid and she doesn't want spinner to hurt her mm-hmm. and like so the first time i watched it i was like she doesn't she doesn't want to be with him and then ultimately i was like oh she wants to be with him but she's afraid and i don't know if they executed any of that very well because the first time I was just like like she's just being flighty but I guess the point is that she's supposed to be reaching for anything because she gives she's giving more excuses reaching for anything to make it so that like she's not she's not gonna have to put herself in this vulnerable situation any excuse any excuse she can find yeah no it's true but like and I, I don't think you're your read of it is wrong. I just am frustrated that you have to do all this fucking heavy lifting to get to this conclusion. Oh, yeah. Like, you shouldn't have to watch an episode twice. While enjoying some cute looks on the way. Right. Like, you shouldn't have to spend, you shouldn't have to watch an episode twice to entirely, like, reinvigorate the way that you see the plot. (laughs) But this is where we're at with this episode, I guess. Um, Uh We go to the gym. Cute shirt, though. Yeah, cute shirt. Um, we go to the gym, Raj is giving a weird farewell speech, mostly because, like, he's giving it to 30 kids, which, like, I get it, that happens sometimes when you're on set, but, like, his speech feels more like what he would be saying to a, in a board of ed meeting, less of, like, a send-off to the kids. It's also, like, very odd, because he, like, stormed out of the school, and now he's back in the school, and there's, like, a banner that was made last second. It, like, it feels so out of place, he literally could have just walked off, and it would have been fine. Um, but instead we have this scene, Marco is talking to Manny about how, how she hurt Spinner's feelings, and she just says, like, it wasn't working, and they're both kind of talking kind of loudly, and Hasselakos has to cue them in to reveal the, reveal a going away gift to, uh, Radich, and, and as this is happening, um, Manny makes eyes at Chester, and it's just... I guess we're in hell forever now. <laughs> my body, my, my body is as short as it may be. <laughs> it's true. Your body is rejecting this episode, Frank. <laughs> the same poorly. They really did. It's like there was a way with the because amount of like, kids. Like it felt like they what? didn't have the full space. <laughs> we got this one. Well, they, co- used, they, they used two separate texts for Marco's dialogue and Manny's dialogue, so every time they switched back and forth, her face was at this different angle, which, like, made it obvious that it was two different takes, and it was really yeah. bad. It reminded me of, like, student films. No, no shade. No, 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 you're totally right, though. <laughs> he is just, like, very skater anti-gay, and I don't know what's happening there with that beanie. <laughs> <laughs> said about the heads. <laughs> it 
it's true. It's like unrelenting. It's it's truly unrelenting shit. Um, so yeah, it's just like a very odd shot, and like I said, like it didn't feel like because like I know. I know for a fact that, like, that set is, is bigger. We've seen it being used. It's a school. <laughs> it's a school. But, like, they kind of, they restricted everything into this very small corner. And then, like, they didn't lay out the crowd in a way that it looked larger than it actually was. Because, like, they've definitely had scenes where, like, people are filling up a space. And it feels like an appropriate amount of people filling up the space. Here, <laughs> it just kind of felt like they shoved all 20 extras in a corner and just kind of hope for the best. It was just, like, this very haphazard thing, which ultimately didn't even really need to be there. Like, there was a way to have a scene where Marco says, like, hey, I'm upset that you hurt my friend, and have that be established and not do this. It's just... Did you guys... Sorry. No, it's okay. Go on. No, it's not important at all. I'm gonna wait till you're done. <laughs> oh, no, I'm done. Just... It's gonna ask if you guys caught the the baby dyke clapping at the front of the crowd at the end of the scene because she stood out so much on my rewatch. I was like, "Whoa, what an L word!" What's going on? I did not see. She's got like a button up with a popped collar and a huge belt and a blazer and like a wavy, messy hair look. It's hey. it's doing a shame. It's doing a shame. I. I dressed it's like that. I, I like barely watched the L word, but I tried to emulate Shane as much as I could as like some kid who came from a Catholic household in Jersey could. Um, so I did a lot of, a lot of that, a whole lot of that. Um, so that resonated with me. I hope he doesn't look greasy on the reboot. Yeah. That, as much as I love. That thing's going to be, I'm curious. We'll Interesting. see. Interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It'll be something to talk about. It's too hot. <laughs> right? It's too hot about it. I, honestly, I'd be intrigued. I would, I would, I, I just like talking about shit with you, though, so I would do any, like, you'd be like, hey, let's do this. I'll be like, sure. They're, I'll watch it. They're rebooting the L word? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Let's talk about Alice's hair. <laughs> like, that's not important to me. I remember on Battlestar Galactica, we found out. One of the ki- one of the actresses got um, cast on that, and I'm like, "Well, her character's dead." And like, next episode, she was. Uh, <laughs> oh wow. Um. So. Oh, but Manny's shirt is interesting. <laughs> would you like to say, speak to it? I don't even. I don't even know how to say. I don't know. She's wearing like a a flat, like a large, thick, flat plastic hoop, like a sixty style earring. It's it's mm-hmm. white. And the shirt is just like if you took the eyelets of, I don't know, like old style boxer boots like they would wear in the ring or like tall white lace up, also 60s boots. If you took like the eyelet part and then made that somehow a contraption for a halter top, like to tie around the neck. And there's like laces all up the, what do you call that thing I don't have? The cleavage. And then... Like, that's sewn to fabric. It's a halter. It's doing a lot. It really is. But it works for her. And her hair's down and it's flowing and it's very manny. It's very good. It is. God, her hair is really nice. Like, I think that's, like, the, the true MVP of this fucking experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When people say that, like, Maddie from Euphoria is, like, manny 2019, like, I see it very much in this episode. Like, that is... Maddie is manny. The names are so similar. Come on. Homage, really. Who who plays Manny? 
I know. Who it's plays like, Manny or Maddie? Maddie. Alexa Demi. I don't know if you, that's how you say her last name, but I cannot pronounce that word any other way because I am who I am. <laughs> All I know is that, like, a girl from one of the Lifetime movies, my sister and I watched, ended up on Euphoria. Interesting. Uh, this girl, girl Sydney Sweeney from um, The Wrong Stepdaughter. I've heard you talk about this show. <laughs> it, it resonated, I guess. We're, do, we are, we're doing something. Oh! She does a great job on that show, on Euphoria. Her character goes through a lot. Anyway. Um, so anyway. Um, yeah, the radish. Good. Goodbye. Goodbye, radish. Let's move on to the computer lab, because I have to say something here. I, 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 I feel like 20 students showed up and because most of them were just like, who cares? It's just Let's radish. cut class. Who ca- like so those, want, those ones were the ones who wanted to get out of class. Everybody else is just like, who cares? It's just radish. Right. Um, so the next scene we have the computer lab. Um, Manny is messing with the results because she has access to the database as does Marco um, to try and basically fudge the results that she gets with Chester. Now, here's where things get really fucking interesting to me. Number one, he's paired, paired up already with Darcy. Okay, interesting. We know Darcy very briefly. But, number two, his results, unless he made it that he wanted to get with Darcy, his results were as follows. No superhero thing. They took out that category. His favorite movie is Donnie Darko. And his favorite band is Franz Ferdinand. Which means at least one of these things is true for Darcy. And the thought of Darcy watching Donnie Darko fucking kills me. <laughs> it was the only joy that was sparked from this whole fucking episode was the idea of Darcy listening to fucking Franz Ferdinand on her goddamn iPod going home watching Donnie Darko for like the 8,000th time. <laughs> I've seen Donnie Darko so many times. I have the director's cut. <laughs> Just looking at Jake Gyllenhaal being like, I hope he plays Mysterio one day. <laughs> But, like, it's just, like, I was looking at it, I'm watching her copy and paste this information, and I was just, like, once again, unless he sabotaged it himself, she likes these things. This is canon now to me, and I love it. Literally the only thing that I'm happy about this whole episode. It's all downhill from here. Um, we end up at the dance, Manny gets paired up with who she was originally paired up with, which is Danny. She is very upset because she points out that she babysit Danny, and that's fucking weird. Um, then Marco is just like, hey, well, the computer decides, not you, um, and notes that her behavior has made Spinner so sad. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, Spinner's feeling. Somebody, please think of the straight white man. <laughs> like, like, my gay morals and my gay red fedora trump your red kangle any day. <laughs> right? It's just like, huh? It's just like, what? It's also like, I don't know, Marco and Spinner's relationship, I found, like, I wish it was written in a way that was way more complicated than it actually is. But I also understand why it's not, because I feel like it's actually really hard to write, like, complicated, interesting friendships. Um, but, like, with, with this, it's, it's very much like, ultimately, Marco, like, who, do you really have to be nice to Spinner? 
He's never really been nice to you. He's been tolerable. But like Has he either? No. Like even that. Once upon a time. Probably not when he's as long as he's known Marco, honestly. But like he, he like feels the need to like I don't know, just like be like a knight for him and I don't understand why. It's just like he's so sad. Like that's the thing. It's like that's his whole argument. It's like Spinner is sad. So I'm gonna make you sad. And it's like Spinner can get the fuck over it. Right, like Spinner can fuck off. Um and what is really funny is as as Marco is having this conversation with her, um, Darcy and Ch- Chester are fucking dancing in the back and they see it happening and they just kind of scamper off. Um, and Marco then proceeds to go th- say that Craig is holding her back. Um, and once again, is that maybe what the whole point of this plot is? Yes. But the fact that, like, I was surprised by him saying this upon my first watching of it reads to me that this was just not fucking clear enough. It just kind of feels like she comes off more, like you said to me, she comes off more flighty than anything else, as opposed to conflicted, as opposed to traumatized, as opposed to any of these types of emotions that I think would actually make this plot a little bit compelling of how, like, you know, Teenage boys are horrible, and they're horrible partners, and they fuck you up a lot of the time. Like, it just fell so flat, and Marco having to point it out, I understand why they do it, you know, they want to drag the point, they want to drive the point home, but as a viewer, I was just like, what the hell, really? Oh, okay, I guess that is the point of this episode, isn't it? And I had to, like, backtrack it, like, that's not effective writing at all. Um, Uh no, it's just not. And, and then Manny then approaches Darcy and Chester, and she does the whole, like, hey, like, I owe you a dance type thing, even though he seems to be pretty fucking content with Darcy. Um, so then- <laughs> and, and Darcy's just like, we were discussing the, um, the meaning behind Frank the Rabbit. Right, like, she's like, these are all my theories about Donnie Darko, and he's like, hell yeah! Um, <laughs> he was having the time of his life. Um, but we're... Then we end up at the dance again. Spinner reveals that he missed work and he gives this whole speech about how, like, he can, you know, whatever, like, she's here right now. Um, and she reveals that she worries that, you know, he's rebounding. She's just the rebound to him. It's not sustainable. Which, once again, is a revelation that I feel like should have been at least mentioned in passing at some fucking point in this episode that, that this is, like, you know, a fear because it's like, it is a legitimate fear to have, and that's kind of what bothers me about it, is her concern about being the rebound as opposed to an actual relationship is a totally reasonable feeling to experience and not a bad one to have explored in a teen drama. And yet, once again, it's kind of flung in a way that it almost sounds like she's coming up with excuses as opposed to, you know, revealing her her apprehensions. And as this is all happening, Chester comes over with, like, a cup of punch it's, and it's like, oh, I didn't know if you wanted, like, this one or this one. And Spinner's just like, she doesn't know what she wants and walks off. And then to himself, he's like, yeah, got her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, he's so proud of himself. <laughs> so here, so self-satisfied. So here's the thing. Um, the way to fix this plot is have Spinner be part of the computer thing, but he still can't get off of work. Even though the computer even says, like, oh, we're, you're perfect matches, blah, 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 blah. 
So, because he can't get off of work, like, she decides to try and go out with somebody else. That upsets him. That's when, like, Marco is able to get on his high horse of, like, you hurt Spinner's feelings. Because, like, just because he couldn't code this dance, like, doesn't mean you have to, like, ditch him forever. And then, like, he shows up and, like, man, he's just like, oh, fuck, I made a mistake. I want to be with you. Yeah. See how easy that is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have a dance. Manny is not dancing well. She gets made fun of. Which also is very odd oh to me because God. we've seen her fucking like body roll in other episodes. So this just <laughs> once again just feels like it's convenient shit. Like we've seen her be able to to dance. I mean, it's still grinding, but like she has rhythm and knows how to fucking dance. Like it's just this weird revisionist shit that just is trying to fit the convenience of the plot and to like let go of Chester. Yeah. I got 18 lines of notes about the dancing. It took me a while. Right. To get through the dancing. It was rough. It's rough because it's just like... It's like one of those things where they just kind of stretch it out, and I understand it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. Personally, I was uncomfortable after 30 seconds, so I don't know why you needed to drag it out longer. Like, I am perfectly fine with that. But, like, she does, like... It's a progression. Yeah, like, there's so many different things. Eventually, like, she's, like, kicking her legs. Um, it's just, it's a fucking nightmare. She, she do, did she do the thumbs and the kicks? It was, she does the thumbs. She does a wink somewhere in there. Yeah, like, it's just, like, really odd. Um, <laughs> the whole thing is odd. And he's, like, super embarrassed. And then Manny sees Spinner. Um, and she's, and, like, like we said, she does the whole, oh, I was wrong, and blah, 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 and don't break my heart, which I fucking hate that <sighs> shit. Shut up. Ugh. This episode was terrible. That's it. The end. <laughs> F minus minus. <laughs> I don't know if you have any other things to me. Hmm. Um, let's just scan my notes real quick. <laughs> um. No. No. Like, okay. I've definitely got things about the last scene, but they're not, like, important things. It was just a lot. The the way they shot it, it was just like, wait, what combination are we coming to? Like, it was so dramatic. It was like, she's like, okay, I just don't want to ever feel that way. I know what I want. I never want to feel that way again. Or whatever, but like she's taking one dramatic step forward every like eight words, and yes. the guitar is strumming real hard. Yes, and then like the spinner is definitely standing there going, "Okay," because he doesn't know what the <laughs> fuck is going on. It's right. like he can hear the guitar too, and he's like, "Where the fuck is that coming from?" I'm confused as hell. I'm just gonna stand here. <laughs> okay, it's true though. It, it's it's really true. It's it's very much just this really odd kind of scene. It's supposed to be this grand romantic scene, but because it's so poorly executed, it doesn't even matter. It's like, you could have made... Like, it's just, I'm sure... I don't, know, I don't even know what I'm sure of anymore. This episode was such a waste of time. It was so frustrating. Um, and it, it... You know it's bad it's not effective when you're watching a character like characters get together and both plots are about characters getting together and one of them you're in a violent rage over and the other one you're just like okay like 
a couple gets together and I feel nothing. But that's how I felt during the Manny and Spinner scene. Like, they were trying to make into this grand thing. And I think what really bugs me about it is, is like, they, it's almost like they had the ending in mind but didn't know how to get to it. And they had this, like, potentially <laughs> grand romantic scene at the end of it, but just did not understand how to make that pay actually be a payoff. It just kind of felt like, oh, I guess we're doing this, like, as a viewer. And and once again, like, I only watched the episode twice before I, I uh, went on to the podcast for this. And honestly, like, I, I really needed to be thinking about it in the context of the podcast to figure out what the fuck the writers were actually trying to say during it. Because my initial thing was just, oh, this is just a weird 22-minute episode where Manny is super out of character and says things that are really mean about people's work expectations. <sighs> So, rating, Frank. Um, Matt Oleander and Spinner remain in the depths of hell, because fuck those two. Uh, Marco is such a good boy, um, but he get, is losing some points for defending Spinner, just like uh, Paige is losing some points for just her pursuit of garbage. Um, Manny is on the rise for... No, Manny can just stay where she is. Nobody's on the rise this episode. No. You know what? Miss Haslock is on the rise That's for true. fucking being like, you know what? Dracula play, boom, done. School spirit, boom, done. Like, I'm I'm hoping she's gonna be a good principal. Mm-hmm. Um Miss Kwan's on the rise for teaching yoga. Uh <laughs> Chester seems like a pretty nice kid. Look just trying to do his best. Um, he can start in the, like, slightly above middle. Uh, Emma, don't know what the fuck, so you can just stay where you are. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, Darcy, Darcy, if you're into Donnie Darko, you're in some pretty high numbers. <laughs> uh, and let Manny say fuck. <laughs> oh, Craig, Craig. Bye-bye. Enjoy your fucking, uh... Shoot, because you're taking a express nosedive downward. Nerd. <laughs> God. Oh boy. These men are trash. They truly are. Um. No, these men are trash. It's so bad. <laughs> My God. All right. All right. So, um, let's move on to recommendations. This is where we recommend things that are related to the episode, tangentially related. Blah 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 blah. Um, there's a graphic novel that is coming out. Um, it's called Mooncakes. It is really lovely. I do not, I have not had been able to read much of it, but I got to flip through like one of the previews of it at FlameCon. Um, and the, um, and I saw some of the hype interviews happening while I was at New York Comic Con. Um, it's a really, really, it looks like it's going to be a really sweet graphic novel. Um, if you're into magic and werewolves and girls loving girls, then this is probably going to be something that you're going to want to check out. It is literally coming out this month. Um, but the art looks really super cute, and the, um, and everything about it just seems incredibly charming. And I was talking to the artist, and she looked at me at FlameCon, and I was like, oh, like, what's Mooncakes about? And she's like, yeah, and then there's this one character who, and she, like, looks at the cover for a second, and then looks at me, and she goes, weirdly looks like you. I looked, and it was another moppy-haired, uh, like, blue-haired 
person wearing a flannel and everything and I was just like oh okay um but it looks like it's gonna be a really good one and I'm really excited to check it out um and I also really need to break the Fire Emblem Three Houses streak um which I guess I would also recommend if you want to have a character who is really interesting and kind of ends up in shitty relationships and has to try and process it and eventually like you know is trying to pull herself out of it Hey, Dorothea is great, and if you like Manny, you probably like Dorothea, and she has a really good role, and she's canonically bisexual, and she's wonderful, so I guess you could always just play that game and just live out your life marrying Dorothea. Um, but, yeah, that's all, that's all I got for recommendations. How about you, Demi? Uh, no, I haven't come up with anything yet, I'll be honest okay. with you. Is there anything um, you're just liking? Let me think, what have I been enjoying lately? Huh? Anything you're just, yeah, like anything you're just liking? Um, I'm rewatching Shit's Creek with my partner, because it's one of the things that we both like, um, and he had never seen it before. I don't think that really applies. I mean, um, I watched like two episodes of it and I really enjoyed it, so I think it counts. That is funny. It starts a little slow, but it's really funny. Um, there's a lot of things, I think I did this last time, there are a lot of things that I'm looking forward to reading, but as I am slowly working my way through Game of Thrones, the first book, um, my, my to-read list is getting really long. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, what's the thing I really want to read next? Uh, that's a toss-up. I think I recommended that, that um, book of essays last time. Um, I'm telling the truth, but I'm lying, which is a mental health thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't recommend that again, even though I still haven't gotten to it. Uh, I'm going to my bookmarks right now. Do-do-do. Oh, Jacqueline Woodson, who is my literary wife, just came out with a book called Red at the Bone. And if I'm not mistaken, it's YA. Um, I recommend anything that she's ever written. So I'm going to recommend that in advance. I don't care. No, I have not read it. It's probably going to be amazing. Trust me. Sometimes you just go through a caution to wind. Also, um, I have to ban my partner from listening to this because I'm about to give a spoiler for his life. His birthday's coming up. Mm -hmm. um, And one of the things that I'm working on um, for his birthday is a YouTube channel because we've been doing Bob Ross paintings and drinking, um, together. And we've joked about starting like recording it and like, would people watch this? And I was like, no, nobody's ever going to fucking watch this. He's like, some of my friends said they won't watch it. And I'm definitely not the type, but, um, I think it'd make him happy. So I'm working on a channel that I will reveal to him on his birthday, which is the 14th. So that should be coming um by november and it's going to be called as far as i know bob ross and chill and <laughs> so i literally already designed the banner <laughs> i've, so I've designed the banner i relearned photoshop to design the banner i made the watermark i made the icon i've already made the channel i would probably make a patreon at some point um so i'm recommending that in advance too because i'm doing it that's so um, lovely and it's gonna be wholesome so if you watch a fucking degrassi episode in which they treat the girls like crap and the boys are stupid, <laughs> then you can come watch Bob Ross and show. Hell yeah. That sounds like excellent self-plug. Uh, self-plug. Yeah. Frank, anything you'd recommend? Um, I will recommend the strange... Speaking of YouTube channels, I will recommend the Strange Aeons uh, YouTube channel. 
She is very funny. Um, and she uh, actually has she'll do she has these videos called Tumblr Deep Dives, and she has one about the teacher crush community. Oh. Um. And I just kind of I, ha- I forget how I happened across her channel. Um. But yeah, I don't know. She she's just very good. Sounds good to me. Um. And with that said, to me, you have made it through. It was a toughie. <laughs> yeah, this one this one was a, a tough one indeed. Um, I know that you already plugged Bob Ross and Chill, but are there other ways that people can talk to you? Yep, I am on the Twitter. Um, I do this every single time. I gotta check how many H's are in my... Okay, so it's Black Snatch, at Black Snatch, with three H's, no underscores, no anything of that nature. Um, I'm there all the time. I'm there every day. I'm on there too much. So, you know, come talk to me about Degrassi, Euphoria, Pretty Liars, whatever. Um, tell me how to say that yoga class name that I botched. I'm so sorry, um, listeners of that culture. Um, yeah, come yell at me. That's fine. I'll take it. Nice. And I definitely recommend following Demi on Twitter. It's such a delight to, <laughs> to see all of your awesome observations on stuff. It's always so much fun kind of seeing your, your presence on there. Um if you want to hang out, no problem. If you want to talk to the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can follow us. Um, well, you can email us is probably the first thing you'd want to do, which is ihopod at gmail.com. Oh, my God. My cat. My cat is stuck. Oh, my cat oh, is no. stuck. Oh, Frank, please stuck help me. In a cord. Oh. She's trying to bite me. Okay. Blinds. All right. She's stuck on my pants. Okay, um, you can write us on at ihopepod at gmail.com. Um, and you can also potentially ask to appear. Um, Jesus, fuck. Um, luckily, my pants did not rip. Um, anyway, you can follow us on Twitter at ihopepod. Uh, fuck. Let me start over. Three, two, one. If you want to keep in touch with the podcast, there's a couple ways that you can do it. You can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. Feel free to ask us any questions, comments, concerns, but you can also ask if you're interested in potentially appearing on the show. Even though we have people that we always like to have, we always are interested in new voices. So do not hesitate. If you are interested, whether you want to appear on a specific episode, if there is uh, something coming up in the, in the season or next season that you're interested in, or you just want to be somebody that we can turn to if we need someone, do not hesitate to email us and give us some information. We also have social media that you can follow us at. You can join our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, as well as follow our Twitter account, which is at I Hope Pod. Um, the, there we post uh, episodes, sometimes some things, sometimes we retweet some information, especially when people give us some more resources or more context and things like that. Um, so that is always a really good thing to kind of check out. Um, we also have a couple ways you can support the show. You can donate to our coffee account. Any money that we make off of our coffee account goes for tech upgrades as well as compensating our guests. Um, and we also have the option of our review challenge. Once we hit 20 reviews, we are going to go back into the Degrassi archives and churn out some episodes about Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. Um, so if you want us to get some fresh takes on Caitlin and Joey and all of those people, you definitely may be interested in leaving a review. And thank you everybody who has already done so. 
If you want to follow me personally on Twitter, you can follow me at, at not at iHopod. I mean, you could. I'm on there. But you can follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. I usually am posting things about my writing. Unfortunately, a lot of it is fanfic right now. And unfortunately, a lot of it is Fire Emblem retweets. But if you want to talk to me about anything, I'm always open to hear it. Um, I have some articles on Palm Mag that are pretty cool that you may want to read. Um, and I'm always up for talking about Degrassi and things that are things that I'm interested in. And also sometimes I put up pictures of the girls who enjoy jumping in our laps and clawing at us during the recording. Um, so that's how you can get in touch with me. I don't have a Twitter, but I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. It's where my sister and I talk about all kinds of teen media. Uh, right now we're in the middle of our second Lifetime movie month of the year. Um, I forget what October was supposed to be. I think Spooky Movies. Um, this week we did, uh, The Wrong Boy Next Door. Ooh, now it just feels like it's Mad Lips. Um, which has Vivica A. Fox in it, <laughs> and she says the title oh as the last line of the movie, he was the wrong boy next door. Holy shit. Oh boy. Next week is the movie Death Click. I didn't even include that Chester, like, looks Manny dead in the eye and goes, Welcome to Degrassi. <laughs> She's like, I already oh got my god! Uh, I know we're done already, but he delivered two lines in which he backed away while he delivered them, and I was yeah. like, "This is his move, right?" He's like, "I'm gonna fucking <laughs> drop a bomb on you." Okay, you're gonna feel this one, right? Um, Chester out, right? I, I have a YouTube channel and an Instagram called Sir I Would Challenge. Yes. And with that said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. the mo-